This is Wendy Freeman with Be Bright Events, and you're listening to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast with John Hewlin. This is Relationships and Revenue, the show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. I am your host, John Hewlin. So happy you decided to spend some time with us today. I am super excited to be able to share with you an interview I'm going to do with my friend, Wendy Freeman. Wendy, how are you? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Oh. So glad you could spend some time with us today. Now, listeners, you might not know who Wendy is, so let me tell you just a little bit about her. Now, Wendy is the CEO of Be Bright Events. It's like, Be Bright Events, what is that? Wow. Be Bright Events is, for lack of a better term, it's an, it's an event company. So what her company does is she helps entrepreneurs and businesses put on events, whether they're in person or virtual. But let me just kind of read the official, everyone can see my notes who's watching, the official, it's a, she, is a, she is a passionate, purpose-driven event planner that helps entrepreneurs plan and launch impactful and profitable events that inspire change and enrich lives. Well done, Wendy, I love Thank that. Thank you, Thank you. Oh yeah. <laughs> And she has several other titles that she, she holds several other titles, but I think this is probably the one that she holds most dear. And that is mom. That's true. That is true. I get called a lot of things, but I, I think I hear mom the most. <laughs> uh, you and me both. I don't hear mom, but I do hear a lot of things. That's true. That's true. So Wendy, with, with your business, with Be Bright Events, uh, just... I mean, we do want to know about the business, but we want to know a little bit more about your story. So uh, help us out a little bit because, I mean, did you just go through like college and just all of a sudden, this is what I want to do? How, how did you get from where you started to where you are now? Yeah, that's a fun question. I love answering this question. I hope everybody else finds my responses as engaging as it is for me to deliver it. Um, so I honestly was born an event planner. And I know that sounds crazy, mm. but from planning my own birthday parties, my sister's birthday parties, you know, as I grew <laughs> older, my bat mitzvah, like all of it, it just came very naturally to me. Like mm. if Pinterest were around back when I was a child, I can only imagine what, how different my life would be now. But, <laughs> but really it, it was just in my blood, like even youth group events, things like that. Mm all throughout, you know, planning friends, engagement showers, baby shower, or, you know, all of that stuff. It just, it was just my happy spot. I'm very, very organized and detailed. And I, I love logistics and strategy and things. And then when I discovered that there was more than just wedding planners, like in my mm -hmm. mind, it was, you have to be a wedding planner if you want to be an event planner. And I had no desire to work with brides and their mothers, like absolutely not, <laughs> not going to happen. Couldn't pay me enough money. And then, so I discovered mm -hmm. that, that I could do this for, for companies and plan those events. And I was like, okay, so I got my degree in marketing and communications. I didn't want to go so niche into event planning. I wanted the wide variety of things. Sure. And then I, I honestly, I, I worked, you know, I, my couple first jobs were sales jobs and things like that, which I think everybody needs a sales job in their life. It gives you thick skin and communication skills. Ultimately joined a company. I was there for four years or I'm sorry. I was there for 12 years. Mm. I was the fourth employee when I started there. Mm. And then by the time I left 12 years later, we were up to 700. So you wow. can imagine in that time of growth in 12 years, the type of events I got to plan. I mean, it mm -hmm. ran the gamut because as the company grew, the events grew, the types grew. And I was really successful. I worked my way up the corporate ladder. I did all of the things that society tells you to do, right? I had a kid, I bought a house, I got a degree. I had this great corporate job. I was traveling and I was just unhappy. 
you know? And I really struggled with it, John, because I felt guilty for feeling unhappy because there's so many people that would look at my life and be like, why is she so unhappy? Right. And that's when I really dove into the world of personal growth and Mm. mindset and, and just all of what, what is very common now. I mean, now somebody says, oh, I have a life coach. I have a mindset coach. Nobody thinks twice. Back when I started this, it was you, you have what? Oh, that's so woo woo, you know, that's whatever. And I, it didn't matter because it made a difference for me. And ultimately where this shift happened was I attended an immersive four day event Mm. where it was getting clear on your vision, on your purpose, on what you want your life to look like and clearing out all the stuff that's in the way. And I had never been to an event like that before. And I'll tell you, I cried for four days straight because it was just breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. And that's when I realized that I love planning events, but I'm planning the wrong kind of events. I'm planning events for a technology company that ultimately helps risk managers do their job easier. Okay. So the events were great and a technology event comes with a massive budget. So I was able to do these amazing things But at the end of the day, it was like, I'm not making a real difference. And so at that event, I was like, these are the events that I need to be planning. I need to plan Mm -hmm. the event. This event just changed my life. So I'm not an event planner. I am someone who creates experiences that change other people's lives. I support the entrepreneurs, those mission-driven, purpose-driven leaders that have something to say that can make a massive impact and take all the stuff off their plate so they can focus on that impact that they're Mm. making. So I know that was a very long story to tell you how, but that is why I'm so passionate and truly believe in a world where one event has the impact to change someone's entire life. Because, and I get chill saying this because one event changed my entire life. At that event, I stood up in a room of a hundred strangers. It was the first time I ever took a microphone in my hand. And I said, I declare that within three months, I'm going to quit my corporate job to start my own business planning events just like this. Wow, that's bold. And it was the scariest thing I have ever done. I didn't have a safety net. I'm a single mom. People thought I was crazy. I was irresponsible. But when you have that feeling and you just know, like I had never been so sure of something in my life. Mm. And so, you know, I, I quit, I took out a line of credit, I hired coaches, I hired mentors, and here we are. (laughs) And that was how long ago? Um, Oh, so that, that was in um, June of 2018. Okay. And then six months later, you know, this little thing called COVID hit. And I thought (laughs) my entire business was just ripped out from under me. (laughs) <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah, that that little thing called COVID, which we're still in the middle of, which we're still in the middle of. And I mean, it affected everybody. But you think about somebody who started their business to plan in-person events. Mm-hmm. Right. So fortunately, <laughs> with that technology background, we did virtual uh-huh. events there. So I was resistant to it because I crave that in-person connection. Sure. And I also was not about to let this little crazy thing called COVID make me fail. Like failure was not an option. So I just, Mm -hmm. I played in the puddle. I splashed around. I felt sorry for myself. And then I was like, all right, get, get to it. There's even more people now that have to get their message out and people even more so need to hear it. So. Oh, absolutely. You know, you, you mentioned a a word there that I want to key on for just a minute. And we've talked about it on this particular podcast several times before you mentioned the word failure. And I have probably a slightly different definition of that word than maybe other people do. I, I contrast it with the word fail or failing. Mm -hmm. To me, failing means you tried, you got it wrong. Hopefully you paid attention and you learned. Failure on the other hand is not something you do. It is a state of being. That means that you have no longer you have decided I am no longer going to try. Yep. And so failure to me is completely a choice. 100%. The only way you truly fail is if you don't try. Right. And my mindset coach reframes it. And he always says, there's no such thing as failure, only feedback. Okay. So as long as you can learn from it, then it wasn't a failure. There was something good that came out of it. 
Right. But again, it, it is partially mindset, but it's also what do you choose to pay attention to? And now the feedback, that, that's interesting you mentioned the word feedback because typically feedback only comes when we ask for it. Now, you and I both know people who, whether we ask for it or not, are going to give their feedback, but most people don't do that. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people do. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. All right. So, <clears throat> so you're in this now. And let's talk a little bit more about what it was like to take this relatively new business that you started and to, uh, to really change your focus. Uh, I mean, because of COVID. I mean, for those of you who are listening, we're recording this in February of 2021, just so that you know. So for all intents and purposes, we've been in this about a year or not quite, maybe 11 months something like that, at least in the United States. I'll say it that way. So this COVID thing hits and it's like all of a sudden, what, what's going on with your business? How, how are you making that transition? Oh my gosh. So I was actually at an event, mm. attending an event when the world shut down, essentially. Mm. Not sure if I was going to be able to fly back home. Not, you know, who, who knew? Um, and I was like, all right, I'm, it was an event called the Powerful Living Experience. So I'm like, okay, I'm probably in a good, in a good place surrounded with like-minded people to, to deal with this. I walked out of a session and checked my email. I had five events booked. This event was in March. I had five in-person events booked before the end of May. Every mm -hmm. single one of those clients had sent me an email. Oh, so I honestly, I lost my mind. Like I went and I was like, oh my gosh, my business, my, uh, you know, I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> so right. I, I, I played in that puddle for a little bit. I felt sorry. I had my pity party. And then I was like, all right, first things first, get on the phone with these venues, contracts. Can we postpone? Like, let's not cancel. Let's postpone. What can we do? And I love, I geek out over contracts. So my contracts are worded really, really well to, I mean, they've gotten even better now since COVID. I've added a lot of stuff to them. But so that was that was my first thing. And then honestly, what happened as, as far as the pivot goes, I was very, very resistant to virtual because I felt like just because or I felt like how am I supposed to make connections? How are we supposed to create experiences when we're behind the screen? So the first thing I did was I made a list of all the things that I love about in person, drew a line down the middle of my legal pad and started writing, OK, how can I take this component? and transition it to virtual. So I, I did a lot of just kind of thinking outside of the box. And then I started attending other people's events. I'm like, I gotta see what's going on in this virtual space. And I was bored and I was unengaged. <laughs> and it felt like I was watching a day's worth of webinars until I attended an event that was an immersive experience. Mm. And it was Pete Vargas's event. Okay, yeah. It was fantastic. I was supposed to be there as a, as a VIP judge for his speak off in person. That was another like, great opportunity as a new entrepreneur asked to be a judge at Pete Vargas's event gone, you know, so just all those things. And I attended that event and the way that they did it, it was so immersive. It was so engaging. I met people that I am still talking to doing business relationships with partnering with today. And I was like, okay, that's going to be my differentiator. I am not going to teach people and host virtual events, I am going to produce virtual experiences. So I immersed myself in education, not on the technology side, but more psychology and how do you get people to be vulnerable and how do you create connections behind a screen and what kind of experiences can you do? And how do you, you know, so many people when they plan an agenda, it's like they, the first thing they do is a spreadsheet with time blocks. It's like you, you can't put it together that way, especially over virtual. There's a strategy that goes behind that. So there's a flow of the entire event. So that honestly, once I attended that event and it was like, OK, you can have an experience, you can have fun, you can have an event hangover, even when you're behind the screen that just exhaustion the next day. I was like, all right, that's going to be what I focus on. So. I did a, a Facebook live series for like 12 days straight where I just went live every day, just talking about it. Because at this point I had just spent the last seven months, you know, putting myself out there as the in-person events. 
And now I had to rebrand everything, not rebrand, but reintroduce myself as, hold on, she knows more than that. She's the virtual event expert also. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sure, sure. I get that. Okay. And as a planner, I will say it was very difficult. I'm a planner. So to be in reactive mode was a <laughs> huge shift for me. And that's where I think I overcame my perfectionism. I now call myself a recovering perfectionist mm -hmm. because progress is perfection. That's my, that has been my reframe there. I'm not saying half-ass things. However, there's a certain point where it's like, you know what? That font doesn't matter. That one word doesn't matter. Get it out there and serve people because they need to hear your message. Oh yeah. Uh, what I often say is, an imperfect plan or an imperfect action is always better than a perfect plan. One hundred percent. Couldn't agree I mean, more. I mean, I'll take done over whatever it is that you're doing. Yep. Because once it's done, I can make adjustments. But if I haven't started, I how can I adjust? exactly <laughs> so 100 percent. all right so of the clients who had their what i'll call their freak out moments mm -hmm. and contacted you how many of them chose to postpone and how many chose to say we don't know what to do we just gotta we're done every single one of them postponed or pivoted to virtual not one canceled really mm -hmm. wow well you're fortunate because uh, I'm so gracious for that. I, I had several um, speaking events that that got canceled. And what all that means is I kept the deposits. That's all that really meant mm -hmm. more than anything. But I didn't get paid. And in fact, now I wonder if you ran into this because I've run into this several times because uh, people's perception because it's new, this whole idea of having a virtual event or if it's you know, some sort of a hybrid, that sort of thing. But I've had people come back to me many times asking me to renegotiate the contract. It's like, well, you're not going to be here, so we shouldn't pay you as much money. And I push back on them. It's like, first of all, you signed the contract. Mm -hmm. So you have to honor the contract. I said, but beyond that, I'm actually saving you money. And of course, they look at me like I'm nuts when I tell them that. It's like, okay, are you flying me there? Are you putting me up in a hotel? Are you paying for my food? Are you paying for my transportation while I'm there? Mm -hmm. You're not paying for any of those things. So minimum, I saved you $2,000. Minimum. Probably a lot more than that. And so when I express it that way, they tend not to say as much. Sometimes. I've had, <laughs> some, push, I've had some pushback on it. And what that tells me is probably wasn't a good fit all along. And I just didn't know that. And mm -hmm. now that I know this, there's been some, I let them out of the contract only if they, there were certain things they had to do in order to, to get out of it. But yeah, so I, I, I have come across that a lot and that's, I, that's a very good rebuttal that you have come up with because what I'm finding with a lot of, you know, the events that, that I did, that we pivoted, that we transitioned is the host does not want to pay the same amount, even though on one hand they're saving money, but from the host side, their justification is I was paying this person and they were essentially giving up the entire day or two days because they have the travel and this and that. So I'm paying a fee that is their kind of out of office fee. And now they're not out of the office. Right. So it, you know, I, I don't think that anybody should, I'll no, let me rephrase that. I think that when you have value to share, you are being paid for your value. And that's what it's important to recognize. And I do think that in this scenario, there can be some, you know, renegotiations that make it a win-win for mm -hmm. everyone. Um, especially, you know, again, on the host side, if you are on the speaker side, you can relate. If you were booked in an event, you're off the calendar. You can't book any other events that day, but now you could sit behind your computer and you could speak at five events in one day if you wanted to, if the opportunities were there. So there's also that, that, that cost of, you know, when you're out of the office, you are passing on any other opportunity. So that's a lot of what the host, the host side is thinking. That That's true. And what, what I, I try to get, educate folks who who maybe don't know it's like look first of all you're not paying for my time when i come that is not what you're paying for you're paying for my 30 plus years of experience 
that I've already put in the time for. That's what you're paying for. So if we want to exchange time for dollars, we can renegotiate the contract, but I promise you, whatever it's going to be more. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be like five times as much. Right. And of course, you know, they get these, their eyes get huge and they almost fall over when you tell them that. And I'm just like, okay, so do you want to renegotiate? Because I had to do that a couple of times, you know, because people just kind of being belligerent about it. Well, and I think there was so much money scarcity at that time also that people were just, they were potentially losing money on venues if they didn't have the right clauses in there. And so I think it was just a comprehensive, just everybody was so unknown and so uncertain and everybody's main concern was protecting themselves, I think. Sure. Not everybody, but. Have you worked with clients where they don't really need you to to do the event is just because you have so much experience with like the contract side. It's like, Hey, Wendy, we've got this thing coming up and we're kind of locked into this certain group or this certain company that we have to use, but we want to make sure that the contracts we use with like venues and that sort of thing are on the up and up. Can you evaluate that? Is that something you can do too? Totally. And I, and I do that. I have a lot of, I am not one of those planners that has a bunch of packages because no two events are the same. Thank you. Yes. I have a massive skill set and I am here to fill the gap. You know, I have some clients that they have a planner that they love and that's great, but the planner doesn't have the contract experience. So so they'll hire me just to do nothing but find the venue, negotiate the contract, and then I pass it off. Mm. I have clients, I have complete consulting packages for people that have a team to do the things, but the team doesn't know what to do. Oh, okay. So I'll, I'll work with either them or I'll work with their team. A lot of corporations, they're using their office manager to plan these things and the office manager doesn't know. So I'll get on the phone with the office manager and say, okay, let's build your timeline together. Now that you have your marching orders, let's go off. Or, um, what's the pricing strategy? What's my sponsorship strategy? I don't know how to build sponsorship packages. So like all the individual components Mm -hmm. can be you know, just strategy calls done for you, done with you, or completely, you know, comprehensive. This is my event. Do the whole thing, which is not my favorite because the event host has to have skin in the game. It's their vision. And I want to plan the event through my client's lens, not through my lens. Okay. That doesn't mean I turn those deals down if it's the Mm -hmm. right fit. But I much prefer the consulting side and the done with you. And then mm. certain components done for you. When I say done with you, it's like, okay, you, you know, as an example of like a, a done with you, it's okay, what's your vision? What's this? What's that? All right, you're going to go out and get your sponsors, but I'll do it with you in the sense that I'll create your prospectus, I'll create your packages, I'll make it look really good, I'll provide you with all the email scripts. Once you close those sponsors, pass it off to me. I'll send them the contract. I'll deal with all the logistics. You don't have to do the quote babysitting of the sponsors <laughs> that goes along with that. Cause there's always right. a ton of questions and a ton of deliverables that you need and they're never hitting those deadlines. So there comes that point where you need a project manager to babysit. <laughs> right. And that's essentially what you're saying you do. Yeah, exactly. Any, you know, I mean, what component is it that you don't have the skill set or that your time is better spent somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So every, it takes a long time sometimes because every single proposal I send out is completely custom. Okay. Okay. So help us get a better understanding. Let's say that one of our listeners, more than one decides they want to contact Wendy because they have an idea for an event and that's as far as it is. It is an idea, but they have no idea where to go from there with it's just kind of like this amorphous blob of an idea and there's no shape to it i mean it just almost looks like nothing Mm -hmm. give us a better idea what's that process like of working with you yeah so those are actually fun um so i do 30 minute free strategy calls all day well not all day but i have i offer a free 30 minute strategy call and i just have a series of questions that i ask that are thought provoking questions that encourage them to dig a little bit deeper into their idea. And usually I record the calls and I'm like, I don't want you to think 
I'm going to ask you these questions and I just want you to just ramble. And if, if you say popcorn, because that's what pops in your mind, say popcorn. It doesn't matter. It's all going to come full circle at the end. Mm -hmm. And then I follow that call up. I'll send them. I have a, a free kind of getting started workbook that mm -hmm. walks you through some more questions, diving a little bit deeper. And then once that's done, you don't necessarily have the framework, but you have the foundational elements that you can then start to really build out a framework. So a lot of my clients, especially clients in that position, they will come to me, we'll have that strategy call, they'll work on the workbook, and then they come back and they're like, I'm not ready to hire a planner, I still don't know. So that's where they'll just buy a package of consulting hours. We'll work together to further it out. So I would say probably 40% of my clients start out as a consulting package where we're just spending the time working together once it's built out and they see what's involved, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, now I'm ready to hire you to do this piece, this piece, this piece, and this piece. But it's a great entry level, especially if it's not an event that you've hosted before, if it's not a pivot from in-person to virtual, if it's, you know, you just dipping your toe in it. And I think it's also important. I think a lot of people have this stigma around virtual experiences it doesn't have to be a three day multiple speaker mega summit either. Mm -hmm. You know, there's any there, it could be two hours in one evening. So a lot of my clients start that way, or we'll do a three day for two hours in an evening or two hours during the day mm -hmm. to kind of, you know, low, low risk, low investment, figure out what works. It's kind of your beta test. Yeah. So I think a lot of people want to do an event and they're so turned off because they see these mega things that Pete Vargas are doing and Tony Robbins are doing and these crazy seven day challenges. And they're like, there's no way I can do that. Oh yeah. You know, it's, <clears throat> I liken that to, I would say smaller brands or relatively new brands, you know, trying to compare themselves to like, I don't know, pick your favorite large brand. Um, it could be Coca-Cola or it could be, um, you know, Amazon or whoever. And you, you look at the stuff that they put out there as far as social media is concerned. And you're like, well, I can't do what they do. Look at all. I mean, they've got, you know, they've got teams of people that even entire that's all, social that's, media yeah, department. Yeah. That's all they do. And it's like, and it's just me. And it's like, I can't do that. It's like, okay, first of all, you're the only one that's expecting you to do that. Right. No one else expects you to do that. Uh, you know, that, that's one of the things that I find that I end up doing a lot with people that, that I coach and I, the coach in me, I can't ever turn it off. I just, mm -hmm. I've tried before. I just, I can't do it. And so I, I end up giving away a lot of coaching, a lot of coaching with people just because I care and I want to help. And I, I offer stuff up all the time. It's like, look, the best thing about your brand is you. Because you are your brand. Just I'm speaking specifically now to you, Wendy. It's like, Wendy is the brand. And so one of the things that you do very, very well is you are on brand most of the time. And see, what, and, and here's why I say most of the time. Because you include a healthy and appropriate amount of personal stuff too. Because that's a mistake that a lot of brands make is they are so focused on the brand that they forget to be real. People don't resonate with that. Yes, exactly. It's like you have to be an actual person. People have to be able to relate to you. I, I apply the 80-20 rule. 80% of the time, you need to be on brand. Mm -hmm. You need to be on brand. 20% of the time, you got to be you. You mm -hmm. got to be a real person. Appropriately you. Let me, clear, let me include that, folks, because... I'm just, I'm just going to say that out there. I don't think it's people in my audience, but I've seen plenty of others out there. There's a whole lot of inappropriate being you stuff going on. Right. Be the so, you that you want your parents to see. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so that's important. Um, tell us a little bit more if, if somebody wants to, besides the, the consulting, once we get past the consulting part, let's say that's where we start. Mm -hmm. and and then we come back and it's like okay we need to hire you if it's if we're hiring you full bore i mean we're getting everything that wendy has to offer what's that 
What does that look like? Working directly with you saying, okay, we've got this event. Like, we'll just say it's me. Okay, it's my event. And I know it's an event for men. It's going to be all men there. And our focus is on men and helping men get better at their relationships so they can do better at home and in business. That's our focus. But my focus is on getting my talks together and in getting the speakers in. Everything else is Wendy's. What does that look like? Yeah, so that is, it's, it's honestly, it's split up across a bunch of different categories. You okay. have the, the general strategy side of things where that comes into, you know, you have your speakers, let's put that in a good flow. Let's make sure that there's, you know, what are they doing? What are they delivering? All, all of that, the strategy behind creating the agenda. Okay. Anything that goes into facilitation and design of the event. Mm-hmm the speaker management, the sponsor management, if it's in person, obviously the space management, the food, the beverage, the decor, the stage, okay. um, the AV company, the videographer, the, the photographer, I mean, everything that you would need from a third party vendor standpoint, if okay. it's virtual, I am that AV company, right, um, right. <laughs> which that's a whole other topic. But if it's virtual, then I am that AV company. And if you're doing it through Zoom, that's one thing. Or, you know, there's, or there's a lot of virtual platforms as well. So it's the Mm -hmm. setup and the implementation of the platforms building. I mean, if it was turnkey, we'd build your registration site. We would build your landing page. We would build all of that, your email marketing, your Facebook ads. I mean, all the way down social media graphics, attendee communications, um, gamification, swag bags. I mean, you name it. Mm -hmm. If you wanted a full blown immersive experience, everything under the sun. Those are really, I think the main categories that, that things go into. And we, I've built a, a great team. I mean, I, I will, admit, I'm the first one to admit, I am not the copywriter. Now I have a lot of templates that I can provide. And some of my clients choose to start with what I provide and then manipulate it. And then there's those other ones that they're like, no, I want full blown copywriting. And if right. they don't have a copywriter, there's somebody on my team that can support me in, in fulfilling that. So Okay. Okay. Flip that, and then obviously on-site or day of management, mm-hmm. speaker services. You know, making if it's in person, making sure those speakers get that white glove service, mm-hmm. coordinating with their flights and their hotel, and and all of that. If it's virtual, then it's the scheduling the dry runs, making sure the speakers are good to go. That I know from a production standpoint. Are they mm-hmm. playing videos? Are they playing audio? Do they need me to play, you know, fun sound effects? Do that, you know, what is, what's their vision for their presentation? Right, right. Okay. A uh, couple things came to mind when you were uh, sharing that. Rambling all, all. No, 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 no. You weren't rambling. You were, you were going through your process and I get that. Um, essentially your mental checklist is what you were going through. And believe, and it's not mental. It is in a massive project management system. Well, I believe that. I totally believe that. But you were trying to go from memory. So, because I right, saw you. Right. Typically, when we're trying to remember things, we look up and to the right when we're trying to remember. I was definitely doing that, I'm sure. (laughs) So um, that's a psychology thing for those of you who are wondering. Um, So a couple things that came to mind when you were saying that. The first one was about, you were talking about whether it's in-person or virtual. So let me ask you this. So you said that there's other hosting platforms out there besides zoom for that. So give us some examples of some of those other ones. Yeah. Because so not, not everybody necessarily knows that. That it's, that's true. And you know, zoom is amazing. And most of these other platforms integrate with zoom. So you're still oh. using zoom to put it out there. The difference is that in some of them, and there's pros and cons for sure, you can create an entire immersive experience where people log in. There's a list of the agenda. They can be chatting with each other on the side. They can do pop-up meeting rooms. You can have all of your sponsors have a virtual booth. Mm -hmm. So things like that, where you're essentially creating an entire website experience for the event. Mm -hmm. And those are great, especially, and I don't typically push this, but a lot of people, they do, they want everything pre-recorded and those platforms are great. If it's pre-recorded, you lose the engagement. It's not an experience. Yeah. And you can do a healthy mix as well. You can have on-demand content. And then in these platforms, when you click on that agenda button for the session you want to go to, there's a button and then it just opens up a Zoom room. But it Mm. puts all the information in one place and it works really, really well for events that have a lot of sponsors. 
and events that have concurrent sessions. When there's three different sessions happening at the same time, it makes it a lot easier. And what I've started doing, and I'll ramble off a few different names of technologies, but um, what I've started doing for my clients that keep it just in Zoom Mm -hmm. is I create what I call a dashboard. It's a landing page. So Mm -hmm. on that dashboard, there's the agenda. There's a big button that says join the virtual ballroom. Any any of the downloads from the speakers or the sponsors are all available there. A lot of times we'll do virtual bingo or different types of games. You can download the bingo card. So basically in all the email communications and everything that you're doing, your attendees know at any given point, this is where I go to get everything I need to, you know, the workbook to, to, mm-hmm. to attend the event. And that just gives you one more experience. It makes it feel a little bit less than, okay, I have a Zoom meeting on my calendar. I'm just going to click on that. It reinstalls the branding and it gives your sponsors, especially for a Zoom meeting, a lot more visibility. Yes, absolutely. Now, listeners, I will let you know, I have attended one of Wendy's events before and everything she's telling you, she does. Uh, she talked about having that special landing page to go to where you can join here. Uh, you can have those online, but yet offline meetings with other people at the same time while it's going on, having the the workbook available to you that you can print out so you can have it next to you. I've experienced that entire thing that she's talking about before, and it's amazing. She There is no stone that she leaves unturned. She makes sure everything is covered. Uh, she had, at least in this particular case, she was talking about putting on a virtual event and just sharing some of her tips and tricks, ways to make it better uh, about cert- we played certain games so we could experience them for ourselves to see if that's something we would want to incorporate in our own virtual events going forward. And so those have, were fantastic. So I don't know if I said it in those terms to you before, Wendy, but bravo. Very. I appreciate that. I received that. Thank you. Mm, it was excellent. That was, that was a fun event because we basically got to, it was, it was teaching entrepreneurs how to do their own virtual events and really create experiences. But it was fun because in most online experiences, you wouldn't have all of those different things packed into right. one. There'd be one or two sprinkled in. So it was fun to just like really pull the curtain back and show everything because I can mm. tell you virtual bingo, but unless you play it, you don't understand. I can tell you about intentional breakouts. I can tell you about a virtual magic show, but unless you experience it, you don't know what's going to be the best fit for you. Oh yeah. That magic show was awesome, by the oh way. My gosh, oh my they're God. So fun. Magical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was really good. Um, oh, there's so much more I could say about that. Um, you know, one other thing I wanted to key on here, you were mentioning the speakers before and how important it is, you know, to be in touch with them and to find out, you know, what their vision is for what they want to do. Uh, the, the key that I want to, to make here, the key point I want to make is how important details are when it comes to an event. Um, Wendy mentioned earlier, folks, that she is very much detail oriented. And for those of you who have listened to this at for any length of time, listen to this podcast, you know, I'm wired up the same way. I, I, there are times I wish I could turn that part of my brain off, honestly, but I, I can't, I can't, I could honest to goodness. I've used this example many times before, but you know, I could be with a group of people and we're going out to eat for breakfast and I hear one person, they ask for orange juice, but they ask for a very specific kind. It's like, do you have minute made with no pulp? I, I can't shut that off in my brain. I will remember that about that person because I'm thinking of a very specific example where that happened. And I was doing an event six months later that this person was at or that I knew this person was going to attend. And so I specifically asked to have that orange juice available. And the person that person came up to me and commented. It's like, this is the first time I've ever been to an event where they had good orange juice with no pulp in it. And like, well, I got that for you. And they're like, what are you talking about? It's like, well, we were out to breakfast like six months ago and I heard you order that. So I just made a mental note of it. Knew it was important to you. So I did that. So my, my, my point in making this is not just about the details. It's also about the speakers. Mm-hmm. And that is, is this a part of your process too, about finding out a little bit about the speakers so that when we're doing things like thank you gifts to the speakers, we do something that's specifically targeted to them? 
Absolutely. 100%. And in some cases, it's easier. The bigger speakers, you have a liaison that you're going to and they send you a whole yeah. thing like they only like green M&Ms and, you know, they need their water chilled to this. I mean, that's that's extreme. But there's that. Oh, I've met some of them. Yeah, they, they exist. With social <laughs> media, it's so easy. Mm. It takes five to 10 minutes of just digging through their old posts. And you can come up with ideas like that. It's a matter of paying attention. And I always like to talk about surprise and delight. That's what yeah. sets you apart from other people. That's what makes you memorable. And events specifically, it's the memory of that. It, it's the experience while you're there, but it's the memories that are formed that mm. keep them coming back. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. You know, one of the things that, that I like to do uh, when, when I, if I have someone that's, that's important to me for a variety of reasons, uh, that I'm working directly with someone I have a pretty solid relationship with, um, I am a gift giver. There's, uh, for those of you who are familiar with the, the five love languages by Dr. Gary Chapman, um, that one of the categories that he puts in there is receiving gifts. I think there's a sixth one. And I do think gift giving is a essentially a love language because it's it's something i have always loved doing uh, i know I, after it, our first phone call you sent me a box of books i was like look at this this is amazing i, I did yes i did <laughs> uh it's 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 a thing for me i i like doing it i like again finding that right thing uh i can remember when my kids were little and uh when i was married my then wife we would go out shopping together like at christmas time and you know for some reason, I have the ability to be able to find the one right gift for, for, for the person, in this case for the kids, but to find the one right thing that speaks to that person at that time. And that's, that's huge to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just something that you know is going to be meaningful to that person and something they will, okay, this isn't too strong of a word, that they'll cherish. Mm -hmm. I Because mean, isn't that what you want? I mean, uh, oh, and let me just say this. Folks, when it comes to gift giving, especially when you're doing it through your brand, the absolute worst thing you can do is to give a gift with your logo on it. Do not do that ever. Put their, put their logo on it. If you're going to put one on, definitely put theirs on. But make it something specific and tailored to that person. Because when you give something with your logo on it, what you're telling people is, that's what's important. Me, I am important in this in this transaction, essentially. And that's not the that's not what you want to get across. What you want to get across is the person receiving the gift is who needs to be highlighted, and that's the important person. That's a that's a great point to bring up. <clears throat> oh, and for those of you who haven't heard it yet, and it's coming up, I just did an interview with John Rulin. If you don't know him, you need to get to know him. R-U-H-L-I-N. He's the author of the book called Giftology. It's a, he started a company about giving gifts. And it's really not even about the gift giving. It's about establishing and maintaining healthy relationships. That's what his company is all about. And it, when you guys check him out, I mean, he was he became the number one seller of Cutco knives. If you know anything about Cutco knives, those things are amazing. And this podcast is sponsored by Giftology. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I wish. But he's, oh man, he was so much fun to have on. But uh, that's that's for another time. For John's another for another time. So, all right. So getting through some of my notes here, we have gone some directions. I was not planning on going. I know. On. I'm like John. Relationships. Where are we going on this? We're, we're getting. That's what we're going to hit what right now. Form relationships. So we could tie a tie there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Thank you for that transition there. I appreciate it. So, as you know, Wendy and listeners, as you know, the the name of this podcast is Relationships and Revenue, and we spend a lot of time talking about the revenue side, about business, about being an entrepreneur, and how to get your message across through the avenue of in-person and virtual events. And there, there is such a thing as a hybrid as well. That is um, the way of it, the future of in-person will be hybrid. Okay. In fact, the, tell us just a little bit about what that means, that, that whole idea of, of hybrid. And you just said it's the future. So you piqued my interest. What does that mean? Yeah, they're, they're awesome. Essentially, imagine a virtual event. Imagine one event 
you have virtual attendees in the Zoom room. Mm -hmm. You have regular in-person attendees. I like to call them Zoomies and Roomies. So you have okay. people in the Zoom, you have people in the room. You are, when you're in the room, you have the availability to see all of the people in the Zoom room. We can bring the speaker or the, the attendees from the Zoom room up on the big screen over the, over the, the sound system. So we're able to hear them. They're engaging in the questions. We have a videographer that's roaming. So if somebody in the audience in the room has a question, you see them on the Zoom screen and then incorporating, building that bridge between the two so that the Zoom attendees can talk to the can talk to the in-person room. So the in-person room can talk to the Zoom and create creating that cohesion. So it's, it's a great opportunity. There's there's an art to it for sure. And you're essentially planning two events because oh. when you go on a break, in the main room and you're giving everybody those 15 minutes what's happening in the zoom room oh. when you have a you know a reception on tuesday night what are you doing for your virtual attendees mm -hmm. so thinking about those things but for the business owner for the host the opportunity that presents is massive you potentially have less people in the room which is going to save you money but you're able to offer it to so many people who might not otherwise be able to travel who might not may not have purchased an in-person ticket. So the revenue and the sponsors, you say you're hosting an event in this location for sponsorships. Okay, well now you have a global event because you're opening it up virtually. Right. So. Okay. Oh man, that sounds really interesting. It's fun. I've done, I've done two of them so far and they yeah. are work, but they are, they're fun and it's a totally different experience. Interesting. Okay. And for those of you who are wondering, the event that I attended that Wendy was, I will say essentially in charge of, but that's my definition. So you might, not, you might not agree. That's what I say. It's a team effort, but I'll, I'll, I'll receive that. Okay. Um, it was a form of a hybrid because those who were doing the speaking and the teaching were all together in person. And then the attendees were virtual. At, at that particular one. At that one, which I, and I kind of call that a quasi hybrid. There's definitely an energy for the virtual attendees to see the speakers standing up on a stage, delivering their talk. True. That is great from the attendee side. And that is a, lo a lot of people are going in that direction. They're not ready for the big hotel ballroom and to have everybody in one space. So they are, they're mm -hmm. bringing the speakers together. And for the speakers, that's a great opportunity for networking and collaboration and all of that. So that is, I'm glad that you brought that up because it doesn't necessarily have to be in-person attendees. And it doesn't necessarily have to be Zoomies and Roomies. You could just have the speakers in the room and then all the Zoomies. Right, right. And you know, folks, and this is not to meant to shame anybody at all, but there's gonna be those of you out there who, will, who just aren't gonna be comfortable coming in person for a variety of reasons. Maybe, you know, health is an issue or maybe not for you, but maybe somebody in your household and you don't want to take the risk of being around some other folks and maybe bringing something home. And so I can see a scenario where this, it's not good. We're not going to be going away from this. This is going to happen more where there's, there's just going to be the options from That's now exactly on going right. forward. The amount of events that you see now has blown up. I think I read there's like an 80% increase in events last year, just the sheer number of events hosted. Wow. That's not going to go away. All you're going to see over time is an option to attend that event in person. Mm -hmm. That's what I, that's my, what my crystal ball is telling me. Sure. You know, and I, and I have to, I have to admit that one of the things that I miss, uh, besides the fact that I miss hugging people, because I do, I'm a hugger. I like hugging people. And so, and it, and I don't mind hugging guys. I mean, I got plenty of friend, guy friends. I hug them. I don't care if they can't, if they can't deal with it, that's their problem. Not my problem. So, but you know, the, the whole being at an event and just being able to sit next to somebody and see them eyeball to eyeball, there is something special about that. Mm -hmm. And I, and I do, and I have no problem saying that I missed that, but at the same time, I understand why, for the most part, that's not happening right now. I mean, I, I get the why. I don't have to like it, but I get it. That's All right. So now, relationships. Let's yes. talk about that. 
the premise that I come from is that relationships are critical to our business, but those relationships start at home. And the kinds of relationships that we have at home and the investment that we make in those relationships directly affect our businesses. What are you seeing in your life related to that? Yeah. Wow. So I'm a, as you mentioned, I'm a single mom. Mm-hmm. I have an almost 10 year old. So mm-hmm. when it comes to relationships at home, like that is my relationship. Mm-hmm. And especially, I mean, things have totally shifted with virtual school and all of that. And I think what I've, what I've learned the most in all of this is that, you know, like you're saying, the relationships at home affect your business. If I get frustrated with my son because he's interrupting me every five seconds because virtual school, there's a challenge that shows up in my business that shows up in my phone calls, you know? And I mean, we've, we've solved that problem. Well, as much as you can solve a problem with a 10 year old, we've put some boundaries in place. Um, (laughs) At the same time, when I choose to take a weekend and say, you know what, I am not going to look at my computer the entire, because my son, he calls me a workaholic. He's a computer nerd too. He's always on his computer. And a lot of times I'll be like, why don't you come sit on the couch and let's just, let's do computer time together, you know? Yeah. And those times that I say, mom's going to be off the computer this entire weekend. Like this is our time, Mm -hmm. which is what I did this past weekend with him. I know we're only two days into the week. The way that I'm showing up, the way that I feel, and the level of productivity that I have had just in the last two days, I think we forget that like we have to fill our own cup before we can fill others. And filling our own cup is not always checking all the things off the to-do list. As entrepreneurs, (laughs) it's like, we got to do this, we got to do this. And when you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work. And that's where that balance I don't like to say work-life balance because work is my life and life is my work. Right. It's a matter of giving myself permission and realizing, you know what? Spending time with your son is fulfilling. Working out is fulfilling. Cooking him a great meal is fulfilling. There was a, a, a time period in the midst of all of this where it was like, we're ordering in, you know, we're ordering in Uber Eats and this and that. And I was like, wait a minute, number one, I miss cooking. So my relationship with myself mm. was affected. And number two, that time of him in the kitchen doing whatever it is, helping me, sitting down, eating. I mean, I know that these are simple little things. When you take them away, you don't realize the impact they have until you take them away. Right. And then when you reintroduce them, it's like, okay, yes, you know what? This is a non-negotiable. At 6.30, I am walking away from my computer. I am cooking dinner. I am not checking my phone until I put him to bed. There you go. That's just, you know, it's one of those, I, for me, I'm, I'm boundaries. I'm obviously, you know, (laughs) detail oriented people joke and say, you're not OCD, you're CDO. The letters have to go in order. So (laughs) that's a good one, right? That's not mine. That is good. good. Um, but it's, it's a matter of making those decisions and then being disciplined enough to follow them. And I'll be the first to admit, I am not always that disciplined, especially when you're in the middle of a project and you are just in flow. It is so difficult to walk away. It is. I agree. It is, it's, is very difficult. It, you have to. And I, and so there is, there is that balance, but if you're not happy in your home life, your entire business is going to suffer. If you're not fulfilling your obligations at home, I mean, even down to, you know, a, a dish, a sink full of dishes, how much better? It's an energy leak. You don't realize that I walk downstairs to go refill my coffee. There's a sink full of dishes and unconsciously that's affecting me. I feel disorganized. I feel like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing in my home. And granted, what am I supposed to be doing? I live alone. I have nobody to, there, there's nobody being like, I mean, the 10 year old surely doesn't care about that, but on a personal level that affects me, which then I show up to my computer and unconsciously I'm frazzled. I feel disorganized and that. I mean, it affects everything. Yeah, it does. That does. You know, you, you mentioned a word a moment ago and I want to kind of hit on that. And this is something that I've started talking about a little bit more in the last several months. You talked about this whole idea of a work-life balance. I, what I tell people is that's actually not possible. Agreed. You can't have work-life balance. However, 
there is such thing as work-life harmony. Now, that doesn't originate with me. I'm going to give credit to, to my good friend, uh, Andre Young. It's, it's his phrasing. Um, he actually came out with a book in December. It's a leadership book, which is fantastic. I highly recommend getting Andre's book. In fact, I will include that in the show notes, folks, a link to Andre's book, um, which is, it's unbelievable. But, um, you know, this whole idea of, if you think of it, your, your life and your work is, is like on a scale. Well, very rarely are you like this. Well, let me get in front of the camera here, like this. I mean, it's, it's always moving. It's always moving like this. So the point is you just don't want it like this or this. You don't want one really high and the other one really low and vice versa. You want to try and keep them as even as you can, because there's just going to be days where work is just going to require more from you. Mm -hmm. And so you can't have your home life and your work life requiring the same amount at the same time. It's just, it doesn't work. And so one has to give and entrepreneurs, I'm talking to you, you know, which one's going to give you already know it because if it's your business, that means it's your baby. And home life is going to, I don't mean this in a bad way, but home life is going to suffer at least for a little while until you start to, eh, let's get it closer to this idea of being balanced. You know, just get it up. And there's going to be other days like, you know what? This is part of where you were talking about the boundaries comes into play that helps with the harmony. It's like, I have a hard and fast rule, at least yours is, 6.30 p.m., done, boom. Shutting it down. It doesn't work. I, well, for me, it, I'm, you know, yeah, that's a hard and fast rule that I break all the time. Just for full disclosure, I feel like I need to be in integrity with that. <laughs> no, I get it. I, I get that. But for the most part, you you have a times like, okay, I'm stopping at this time to make dinner, spend time with my son, hang out with him, give him the attention that he needs to help develop our relationship. And then once I get him to bed, then if there's other things I need to do, I will do those things. Uh, but I would even say for your own health, and for those of you listening, for your health as well, rather than going back to the list, because the list doesn't end, folks. It's never going to end. Never. I mean, yes, you can check stuff off, but there's going to be things added on. You may add them, but a lot of times other people are adding to your list, whether you want them to or not. And so knowing that the list is always going to exist, you may have to just shut it down for the whole night at 6.30. It's like, look, the people close to me that are here, I'm going to spend time with them. And once they're in bed, you know what? I'm going to have some me time, whatever that means. It could be something as, in your mind, ridiculous as sitting down in front of the TV and just watching an episode or two of some series on whatever, on Netflix, Amazon Prime, who cares? It doesn't even matter. And it just may, that may just be what you need to do to decompress mm -hmm. for that day. It, I mean, who knows what it is? Maybe you decide, you know what? I'm going to take a hot bath and I am going to read a book for pleasure. Read mm -hmm. some fiction book that you've been dying to read that you never have started, but you've had it for two years. And John, I think that is the difference between balance and harmony, because what happens is so many times you said, you know, the scales are like this. Mm -hmm. When it is here, it, it can't. I don't want to say it can't because it could it. In an ideal world, when you put all of your focus into work, then you get burnout. You put all of your focus into your home because you let it suffer. If you're like me, you have the mom guilt. You are like, oh my, once you give yourself that day of relaxing, you're like, okay, I want more of this. It's you, you switch <laughs> into that me mode so quickly. And that is where I think there's the most detriment to your business because you're, you're giving it all here and then you're giving it all here versus taking that. I mean, even last week, I, you know, last week I gave myself permission to watch the home edit. I don't watch reality TV shows. Like, well, organizing makes me happy and they use lots of colors. And you know what? I'm going to allow myself to watch one episode a night. Okay. And I was like, oh, this is okay. I could get used to this. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. I love that. All right. So let me look at a couple of my questions here because we're getting close to wrap up time here. I'm a talker. I'll, I'll, I'll go all day. So you're going to just have to cut me off. No, I'm, I'm with I you. Like to have on I my, love to do it too. On my, on my soundboard over here. I, I love to have the, uh, the sound effects. And I'm like, when people are going over, you just gotta, <laughs> you know, it's all you can do. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah. So uh, two things. First one, how can folks find you? 
Uh, so we will include it in the show notes, but it's Be Bright Events co.com and that's be if you're watching you can see it on yeah. tattooed on my wrist it's it's be uh eventsco.com wendy freeman on facebook on instagram on linkedin all those things and all my contact information is in all of those places okay perfect and if folks want to it's like hey i have heard what wendy's saying she sounds amazing um are those places that folks can go to connect with you to do that um, that introductory call that you mentioned yep. earlier? On the very front page of my home of my website, there's a book your free strategy call button. Click it, the calendar will pop up, and we'll talk. Okay, perfect, perfect. All right. Well, now we're gonna do our final four. Just oh, four right. quick questions. You tell me the first thing that pops in your head. Popcorn. All right. You ready? Ready. All right. Number one. Why did God create Wendy? Oh man, that I nothing popped into my head. Why did God create Wendy? I think you actually answered it earlier. To create experiences. To I mean, to create experiences for others. Okay, that's essentially what you said before. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, number two, what are you doing, reading, or listening to right now that's helping you grow? Right now, I am reading the book Relentless by I think it's Tim Grover. Okay. Um, and it is just, I mean, it's about being relentless. It's all about sports coaching, which I honestly have no interest in, but it's the mindset of these premier athletes versus the second shelf second. I don't, I don't, I don't know sports. All I'm saying is the, the book by Tim Grover is very, very good, very impactful. It's called relentless. And that's what I am in the process of reading right now. Okay, great. Now. Uh, this this next one is actually a two-part question. You'll understand why in just a second. What do you do for fun? And what do you do for fun with your son? Oh, okay. That one's easy. So for me, for fun, mm -hmm. bubble baths, wine, the beach, and stand-up paddleboard. Huh. Okay. I think I was a mermaid in a previous life. So if <laughs> put me near any body of water, and that is what I do for fun. Um, and then for, with my son... We love to go play in the creek. We mm. play a lot of board games. We are always finding a show that we can, like a series that is mm. our series. Um, and then bowling, the arcade, the typical things you do. But I would say playing at the creek and for the most part. Okay. And, I, and playing at the creek. And this is an aside. This was not part of the question. But so what's the one show you guys are, are in the middle of right now? Right now we're watching The Magicians. Interesting. Okay. It's on Netflix. It's definitely a little out there, but it's it's pretty good. We just finished the Umbrella Academy was our last one. That one was really good. Okay. Okay, great. And the last question, what are you most grateful for? The opportunity. I am, you know what I'm most grateful for? I'm not even going to say the opportunity. I am most grateful for the experience that I had that changed my entire life. Okay. I mean, without the, the cliche, I'm most grateful for my health and my son and all of those things. Like, honestly, I am most grateful that my eyes were opened, that I didn't have to be in a complacent place, that I had the power to make a choice, to do the things, to live the life that I deserve. Wow. Love that. Love that. All right, Wendy, before we go, do you have any parting words of wisdom for our listeners? Oh man, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with a quote that just really resonates with me. Um, and it's a Jim Rohn quote. And okay. this is something that has really gotten me through just all of the things in life. Everybody's like, I want to have, I want to have, I want to have. And it's the concept of, or the quote is attitudes drive actions, actions drive results, results drive lifestyle. Hmm. And so that to me is just that constant, like, keep me going, keep me going. It all starts with your mindset. It all starts with your attitude. Mm. And then the consistency and the momentum and all of that ultimately is taking action that drives the results. And once you get those results, that's when you have the lifestyle that you want. Very nice. Love that. Love that. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely.
All right, listeners, we're going to wrap up today, but thank you all for taking the time to listen in today. Uh, be sure to, to hit up Wendy, get to know her. She's somebody you definitely need to get to know. I don't use that word very often, but I, I definitely mean it this time. She's somebody you want to know well, because if she can't help you, I bet you, you know someone that she can help. So don't be afraid to share her name with other folks, because all that's going to do is make their events be the absolute best that they can do. And again, Wendy, thank you for being here with us. And we will see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening. And remember, passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day. And we'll see you next time. Bye.